Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Only Sorry, 19. And I was down a pack of panniers. Panniers. <laughs> I know I was going to send it to you. It's um, it's the first line. Mom and Dad and Danny saw the passing our parade at Paniel. We knew it was a song. We knew. We knew. It's so Australian, isn't it? Paniel. 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 Someone needs to put it in a rap. If you're our age and you're listening, Pakapanyol, that's going to mean something to you. Yeah, and if you are, don't want to be driven mad by trying to remember it, it's from the song I Was Only 19. It is, it is. Anyway, let's start this thing, shall we? Let's rock and roll. That's how the music's about to start. Woo! Woo! Welcome to Chickstree. Here's another one of us. That's Evie, I'm Annie, this is the Chickstree Podcast, this is Season 4, Episode 4, All the Fours, 44. Shane Warne just died. We were very upset about that, as everyone would be in this country, in the world. There is a lot of people who know who he is in the world because there is world cricket and he was an absolute star of the game. So I saw a tweet Mm. yesterday Someone had said something, you know, it was, it's straight up, straight out. Someone going, do we really have to, you know, be so sports obsessed? And I don't even oh, know what the original God. tweet was, but yeah. she absolutely copped it and then did the, well, yeah. I've deleted it. All right. Oh, God, she would have got, like, s- just read the room. This is yeah. someone's father. Like, yeah. just, yeah. It's probably completely relevant what you're saying, but not while his body is still fucking warm. Totally. And I'm actually shocked. I, I think it's my own naivete that, um, you know, how much of a good bloke everyone thought he was. Like he was mm. always to me a bit of a meme. Like he was always kind mm. of, you yeah. know, I made jokes about him and, and the mm. Liz Hurley thing and the mm. work done and the hair. Yeah, and the, the hair. You know, all of that stuff, right? And I don't even know if I've ever kind of watched content with him in it apart from maybe cricket and him Mm. being interviewed. Like I don't, you know, and all these tributes that are coming out through people who you just don't expect who are like Mm. such a good bloke, you know, he was just such a larrikin and and a um, really big father. Huge charity. Yeah. Made a lot of money for children's hospitals. So, um, you know, I don't know much more other than that as well. But, you know, mm. yeah, yeah, hair uh, always made me laugh. Yeah, yeah, hair. Was it him? Was that he? Was he, yeah, yeah? Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, yeah, hair. Hair, yeah. Wasn't that him and else? the other guy? Yeah, there's been Oh, a he few was in it them. as well? Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of like, he, he, he was a bit of a joke to me. Yeah, 
Yeah, you know, because exactly. he was that man that was still trying to stay so incredibly young and hot, and he was never young yeah. and hot. That's what he was to a lot of women, and he was um, a player. Like you know, he cheated on his wife dreadfully and all that kind yes. of stuff. So yeah. I've never been interested in him, but I no. do know that he represented um, this country in cricket in one of the most legendary ways. Whatever he did with a ball, apparently, was like magic they reckon he could make a ball do things that they right. were like blew people's minds like how was he did he spinner? make that turn yeah he was a spinner and he came up with a a spin so a spin his bowl hand could yeah. bowl a ball and make it spin one way and then another way to hit the stumps away right. from the bat so and no one had ever yeah. done that before so okay. that's what he's really famous for I mean at the end of the day he was a 52 year old man who worked very very hard at what he did in in whatever he did uh, had a lot of faults was really really unapologetically himself mm-hmm. and he has inspired uh, generations of children mm. and he has his own children so at the end of the day that's that's the most important thing is that a young man's life has been cut short and that's a really fucking sad thing i want to talk to you today miss evie jones about mm. you got me onto this show and um i just watched i did a bit bit of a binge of it last night um mm. of somebody somewhere Oh, have you and finished it? I haven't finished it yet, oh, so please don't last spoil episode. it. Last episode. But it is one of the most, like, incredibly beautiful, mm-hmm. subtle. Subtle. It's nuanced, so subtle, isn't like, it? It's so beautiful. Yeah. And the way that they talk about anxiety and mental health and addiction and it's and, so yeah. subtle and addiction yeah. I watched the episode last night with the mother and the father you know and mm. she says I'm gonna start crying talking about it when she goes to the dad talks to the dad and he said she's perfect in my eyes how can yeah. I live my life without this woman that I love and she can do no wrong in my eyes and mm. and the daughter says that's exactly why it has to come from you yeah that's exactly yeah. why oh. you have to talk to her. And it's, it's just so well the, the written. script, I'm getting goosebumps, the script yeah. is beautiful. It's just mm. such a beautiful show. Thank you for getting me onto that. Yeah, you're welcome because it's. I, I haven't seen a show that I've loved so much and it doesn't blow you away in a in your face kind of way. It, mm. It's a creeper yeah. and it's just it's beautifully shot in a really small town in middle yeah. America and yeah. I found that extremely relatable. Um, even if you're not living in a small town yourself, you you know, middle-aged woman um, mm. who has lost a sister and has come home, you know, and doesn't have many prospects for her life but she's so she's such a relatable character. She's yeah. just us. She's all of us. Yeah. And she's, you know, this is back in her hometown like it's a really, I really related to that. And mm. she has this Gabe, oh my God, just all of it. Fred Rococo is just everything. I just love Fred Rococo so much. Yes. Uh, yes. Joel, all of it. The Isn't mum, it Professor, Professor, Professor Rococo, John Rococo, Professor Rococo, Dr. <laughs> professor or something? Yes. Oh, yeah, God. they, they say just, like, that's my, it's a, it's Dr. Professor Rococo, Dr. Rococo. <laughs> I think Fred's one of the best characters oh. Joel is my oh. all. anyway watch the yeah. show wait yeah. till you get to the last episode because the last episode just like every other episode it's so subtle mm. 
Yeah. And it's so beautifully mm. done. And the thing about that show is I've liked every show. The Duplass brothers wrote that, that Jay and Mark Duplass, and I've liked them for a really long time. They did Transparent. Right. Do you remember that show? I love that and, show. Was, yeah, it has yeah, that same. Great writing. Yeah. Has that same, it's like, really, just heartbreakingly yeah. beautiful. Without going on rants. That's yeah, the best thing. Yeah. They know how to say what they need to, the characters need to say without going on Gilmore Girl gr- rants. You totally. Know, like word, wordy, word, words. And mm. they really get to you in all their shows. They know how to make you understand what they're trying to say. Yeah. And yep. they get really great actors who are mostly never big actors. They're just really good at those particular characters. Mm. So, um, yeah, I highly yes, recommend. Beautiful. And I love Bridget. Yeah. Everett. Yes. God, she's just, she that could voice. be our friend. Yeah. That voice, I love it. Wait till the last episode. Oh, okay. All right. What um, you been, what you been watching? I started watching the new Tony Collette last night and it's really good. Is that pieces of Yeah, pieces me? of her. Pieces her. of me. <laughs> Pieces of Me, I Pieces. think, was a jewel song mm. or an album. I don't mm. know. Anyway, that one, yep. Um, I, it's one or the other, but it's Pieces of Someone. And it's Tony Collette and another girl called Sophie, no, um, Bella Heathcote. Oh, yeah. And I thought, oh, she's Sophie Heathcote's daughter for sure, um, late Australian actress that was kind of from that ilk, mm. Nicole Kidman, you know. Um, looks just like her, looked her up. It's not. She looks just like her. She'd be about the age of if Sophie has had two children and she's not. Anyway, that's just my thing with it, but it is really good. (laughs) First episode, by the end, I was like, what? Okay. Oh, this is good. And then I read the reviews. The reviews were like, wow, wow, wow. This is a psychological thriller with um, that hits you. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. Oh, good. Oh, that's good. That just reminded me of um, your annoying habit that you have when you watch TV with you. Um, that really came out of its shell on on Friday night. We both went away for the weekend up to a friend's house and um, watched a bit of TV. And Evie has this thing where you're watching a show and you got to know the backstory of every single actor. Actor. I do know the backstory of every single actor. And, You've and, got to know them. Yeah, and my and we just had a conversation about not wanting to meet our, yeah. our heroes as children because, you know, we didn't want to spoil the facade of, of, you know, knowing their story or knowing, you know, making them unreal people, making them ordinary people. Are you kidding? And then we're sitting there watching this show and it was what were we – oh, we were watching um, – Joe versus Joe. Yeah. And I reckon every single actor that came on that screen, you were like, oh, that's blah, blah, blah. Did you know that they're from um, they're from uh, Melbourne? Did you know did you yeah. know that they went to school at um blah blah blah? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, shut up. You don't find that interesting. I I've got don't. to try to remember this. <laughs> well, it takes me out of the show. Yes. I find it so interesting. I um have to remember who I can and can't watch shows with like that. Because like Todd Abbott, who's the head of ABC Comedy. Oh, he would love I, that shit. We me and Ben Norris, we just sit and watch TV oh, love like it. that the entire mm-hmm. time. Um mm-hmm. Angie and I just constantly, you know, saying, Oh, that person's from this and it because we it's kind of like a six degrees thing. Yeah. And yeah. with that Joe and Carol, I kept just seeing actors. I'm like 
hang on, this is shot in Australia because there's just nothing but Australian actors as the secondary characters. Yeah. Well, you're going to hate the new Tony Collette show because that's well, the I'm first not thing watch I picked up on that. All right. Well, I'm not. Gonna... It's shot in Australia and I've looked it up and I'm like, yep, shot in Sydney. All American. Yep. Yeah. We've got. We've got so many productions here that we have no yeah. idea about. So we, I don't know why, like during the pandemic, we mm. shot so much here, but we did. We must have allowed it because yeah, yeah. all these shows now are done and they're coming out and they've been filmed here. But, yeah. and With then, Australian actors, which is and great. Then, well, yeah, and that's that's a thing because they'd yeah. all be Australian yep. crew yep. and yes. that's really exciting. Awesome. Um, so there's a whole level of new with that that comes with that like normally I'll watch TV and show and say oh that guy's been in that that guy's been in do you remember that guy in this mm, she mm, oh mm. she was in that but this time it's a, oh we know that person like, yeah. and because you saw someone and by then I was like well I'm not speaking anymore I'm not pointing out anything anymore and you've just gone who's that and I'm like no nope, not telling you not even gonna tell not you. Telling you not even gonna it tell you Michaela Bannis <laughs> I'm not telling you and I'm like who the fuck is that with all respect, Michaela Bannis, you're amazing. Yeah, I hope you um, right, while you're listening, Michaela, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but good on you for getting a role in that show. You did really well. It's like Mel Buttle's character, which if you haven't watched Mel Buttle's TikToks where she does her mum, a mum, the mum character, it's brilliant. Where you, it's the annoying mum, you're sitting down watching a show, and your mum comes in, and she's like, "Oh, who's is he a baddie? Is he a baddie? Yeah. He looks like a baddie." What is he? Oh, is he married to that girl? Is he? Oh, don't tell me to. Sh- if I can't talk in my, in my own, own home, home. while well, I watch some television. Oh, there's a really funny TikTok of a guy who's filmed his dad not watching TV, oh, and he's standing behind yes, the lounge. Yes, and I've he's seen like, that. <laughs> he's not watching TV, so he's standing there, you know, thinking, "Well, I'm not really watching it if I'm standing here." And then he's sitting on the edge of the couch. Yes. But by this time, he's flicking through papers, and he's like, he's still working. And it means he's not, but it's like just just sit down and watch it. Just it's all the want. stages, and then he he eventually like any day he goes like level two, level you know like, and then he's and then he's finally sat down on yeah. the couch like given in. He's given in. He's given. The in. pages are to the side. Yeah. The legs are up on the coffee table. <laughs> he's yelling at the fight scene. Why done? Yeah. yeah, it's very funny. Very funny. I've got a chick in the now today that makes. Well, the, the the fact that I know we know about her makes me kind of angry because I wish we didn't. Um, but she she's come onto my radar because of a new podcast that I've been listening to, another a new Headley Thomas podcast, famous for his podcast, The Teacher's Pet, which resulted in yeah resulted in the uh, arrest of her husband, um, who is he's going to trial in May twenty twenty two. So um, yeah, so he Finally. just does really good. Is he in um, in custody? No. Um, no, he's not. No. He's, so he's he's out and free. He's elderly. I think he's been. I think he won the right to stay at home because he had Christmas right. at home. Yeah, um, and then he had some bad falls where he was injured quite badly and now he suffers from really bad depression so he's either in care or somewhere yeah okay who cares um no who cares yeah that's right so anyway Headley's back at it again and he's looking at a new case this time um the unsolved murder of Shandy Blackburn it's called Shandy Story it's brilliant Mm. listen to it Mm. if you love 
his investigative journalism. Um, but he's basically, um, he had some questions just around DNA evidence that was found at the crime scene. And so he's he's called up this chick who who is my chick in the now, a woman by the name of Dr. Kirsty Wright. She's known for a lot of uh, criminal forensic work that she's done. Um, she's a forensic biologist and she's worked in major crime. She specialises in missing people and disaster victim identification. She um, did a lot of work on the Bali bombings in oh, um, yeah. 2002 and also the Boxing Day tsunami. She was the DNA team leader for that. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then she's also... Um, led the expansion of the National Criminal Identification DNA Database. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is also working in remote jungle locations and historical battlefields to assist in the identification of missing Australian soldiers from World War One, mm. World War Two, and the Korean War. So she's wow. super smart, right? And yeah. she knows her shit. So anyway, Headley calls her up and says, look, I don't reckon, I think there's something going on here with this DNA. Can you take a look? Mm. She takes a look and the stuff that she's uncovered is fucking frightening. She describes the murder investigation as a forensic train wreck. Mm. Um, And not only has she uncovered stuff just from this case, but she thinks there could be thousands more cases Mm. with the Queensland. (laughs) Imagine how many fuck-ups there must be. Within the Queensland justice system with false or misleading DNA evidence, um, and it's probably resulted in many, many offenders Mm, um, going going free. So one example from the case is the fact that DNA, a DNA swab was taken from a fresh pool of blood from the crime scene. Shandy was unfortunately stabbed 20 times on her way walking home from work one night. Jesus. But this Queensland laboratory that's run by Queensland Health mm-hmm. said that they could not obtain a DNA sample. Oh. <gasps> I just sent my DNA sample off to <laughs> history.com. Yeah. Yeah. So what? in addition to this, yeah, in addition to this, she found 17 incorrect results that had been released from this lab just in this case alone. Jesus. Um, so she's done, she's looked at reports, she's looked into this Queensland laboratory and nobody has come forward um, to her wanting more information about what she's uncovered. It's like the Queensland government are just, mm. you know, sweeping it under the rug. They don't want to know about it. They, they think don't. if there's this s- systemic um, issue, yeah. then surely the coroners or the police or someone would have picked it up by now, um, yeah. and they haven't. So she is just, she won't stop now. She's a she's Good. a dog with a bone, and she she's is a bulldog gonna, with a bone. Yeah, and she's determined to get justice for, you know, these victims who probably could have had their cases solved and these yeah. these perpetrators, perpetrators be in jail put have away. Justice. Yeah, yeah. That's awful. Um, I, what fucking country are we living in? Yeah, yeah. And also another shocking um, case that she was involved in was the Daniel Morecambe case and she's oh. responsible for the same lab um, after they found skeletal remains, that same lab said that there was no chance uh, or there was a or they couldn't rule it out that it was Daniel Morcom, but they couldn't say that it was him. And she was like, or they said that the, the remains had been um, contaminated and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, that's just bullshit. Like there's no way that that, that can happen. You can get DNA from DNA. You know, the tiniest things. Tiniest. So she, she got 
she got this, the, these samples. She sent them away to another lab in New Zealand and they all came back with an exact match. That's disgusting. And the father of Daniel Morecambe is on this podcast as well being interviewed and he said, you know, we lost so many years thinking that that, that wasn't him, yeah. you know, that he couldn't have come home, that they were still they investigating. Had they And they had put proof. his remains to rest. Because of this fucking lab that it just should not be Rumble operating. Monkeys. Should not be operating. Shouldn't be. Like it sounds like Dr. Death. Yeah, yeah. How, how do these people get a job? I don't, they can't I, do what they're supposed to do. We could do better than that. Exactly. So anyway, she's she's amazing and she basically is like, it makes me sick. Like I'm sick to my stomach, the stuff that I've started to uncover and how many errors there are and the fact that this this lab is still being run. It's still producing these, you know. Um, it needs to be shut down. It needs to be shut down. Down. So, um, mm. Kirsty, right? Mm. We bloody salute you and keep going because, yeah, please. I we, mean, yeah. you are on the. She's on the cusp of really mm. changing the. You know, some really massive. I hope outcomes mm. for some for some families that just have mm. never gotten um, justice. So, have you been watching the Gilded Age? I have started the Gilded Age, yeah. It's good, isn't it? It is good. Yeah, I'm, only, I'm only a couple good. of eps in, so I'm kind of yeah, a newbie well, I'm, still. I'm up to date, which I think is, is ep six or seven. Right. Or mm-hmm. Maybe six, but um, it's very, very good. I'm really enjoying it. And I did like Downton Abbey. It's the same guy as Downton Abbey. Um, but I'm enjoying this one more. I don't okay. know why. Okay. Can't put my finger on it, but mm-hmm. I do. Okay. I really find it fascinating how they speak. It's just so fucking polite. <laughs> it and it's just so it's just necessary. So Everything they say is necessary. There's no ums or likes or yeah, it's it, that's right. You know, it just everything is so pointed, pointed. and yes, it's it's got yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And may I present to you, Miss Stelliano, meet please meet Mr. Brooke. Nice to meet you. How do you do? It's just, it's so polite. You know, there's just so many people these days that, you know, when you're out with someone mm-hmm. and someone else comes up and says, oh, hey, how are you going? You go, good. And they might ignore you yeah. and not introduce you. Yes. Like, when did that start happening? Yeah. Because yeah. that is the biggest faux pas in those days. Like, you never not introduce the person that you're with to Absolutely. the person that, you know, and you present them. Mm, yes. And they present their own sisters to someone. Like, yes. may I present you, Gladys Morris, my sister. And they curtsy and they, oh, it's just, it's a day, it's a time and it's gone. But I really like the show because it's showing it back. And I found that it just, it, you know, I have this thing about New York. I've said it before. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like it. And it's right at the beginning of it being built, you know, into the Manhattan that we know today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I thought this is got to be based on real people. Yep. So I kind of looked up Julian Fellows to see who he based it on and he had the Morrises are the new money and the Van Rynes are the old money. They yep. live across the road from each other in the show and yep. Bertha Morris is married to Russell Morris. Mm-hmm. He is the one that's building the new railroads. Mm-hmm. Like billionaire because yep. of it. And his wife just cannot make it her way into the social 
world. Right. And no matter how much money, you know. So by the time you get to the episodes that I'm up to, you'll see that she's really making some headway. Yeah. And how she's doing. And she's got a daughter, um, Gladys, who she won't bring out yet. You know, you you debut your, your daughter. Your coming out hasn't happened yet, yes. Hasn't come out mm-hmm. yet. And she won't do it. And even though she's 16, she should really be out. Um, so I've looked it up and that particular woman is based on a woman called Alva Erskine Belmont, Nee Smith. But it's also, she's also known as Al- Alva Vanderbilt. She married a Vanderbilt and everyone's heard of the Vanderbilt. I mean, you just have to watch Gossip Girl. Um, Blake Lively's character is a Vanderbilt. You know, like that's the new Vanderbilt. That's uh-huh. old money. Uh-huh. But old money now, the Vanderbilts were new money. Right. The Vanderbilts mm-hmm. once upon a time mm-hmm. had to make their way into society and it was a really hard thing to do. And we're seeing this play out in the Gilded Age. Now, the Gilded Age was a time when New York boomed because of the railways. So yeah. there was extreme wealth. But that wealth, as we already know, doesn't mean status, does mm. it? Does it? Not if it's new money. Not if it's new money. So Alva was born in um, 1853 and she lived until 1933. So she lived a good life. That's a long Um, life for those times. And what I found really interesting about her that they're not showing at all on the Gilded Age and, I mean, it's so loosely based so they don't have to show it at all, but she was a suffrage activist. She was a really big suffrage activist. Right. That's what the real woman was. Yeah. you know, she, as I'll tell you, made made a lot of leeway. But in real life, she was really big on black suffrages and she came up against her own white um, allies in right, that. Right. They didn't want black women. They uh-huh. were like, no, well, we want the vote but not black women. She was like really big on that. So um, I really like her that, mm. you know, and I think it is a bit of a missed opportunity if they're not going to touch on that in yeah, the show because yeah. Bertha in the show is really she's a little bit upper self and she's a bit unlikable. Yes. And I'm like I think she could be both. You know, she just seems like she's all about herself and her own status yeah, where yeah. it sounds to me like the real Alva was about others and also really upper self. Yeah, right, right. Do you think maybe that's why in the show they haven't she hasn't presented her daughter yet because she's sort of maybe sort of fighting that to, you know, like the sort of delaying her, you know, going off to marry a man because I the suffrage know, thing, the suffrage yeah, no. thing, maybe. Well, I don't know. The, I don't know about what's happening in the show. Yeah, but sh- in the show, she's saying she's not letting Gladys come out yet because when you do, you have to have a big ball, a debutante ball, oh, okay. and she won't have the people to come. Oh, so to she's come. got to get the people first. So she's oh, been very selfish right, in that right, sense. Right, right, right. We'll take, that take back everything to... I said then. That's no, it. no, yeah, yeah. In the <laughs> in the real life that may have been true. Um, yeah, in, yeah. 1990, in 1909 she founded the Political Equality League to get votes for suffrage supporting New York state politicians. She wrote articles for newspapers and she joined the National American Women's Suffrage Association, which we know about. Like mm. we know all about mm-hmm you know, what the Women's Suffrage Associations in all countries are all about. She later formed her own political equality league to seek support for suffrage in neighbourhoods throughout New York and as its president led its division of New York City's 1912 Mm -hmm. Women's Votes Parade. 
Right. So we know all about that kind of so thing. So she's behind she was behind that. She was behind she led it. She, she was led president. It. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, in 1916, she was one of the founders of the National Women's Party and organised the first picketing ever to take place before the White House in 1917. It was incredible. The first picket ever, ever, or just for suffrage? The first, organised the first picketing ever. Holy shit. She was married twice, first to William Vanderbilt, with whom she had three children, and then secondly to Oliver Belmont. Both men were billionaires and members of socially prominent families in New York. Alva was known for her many building projects, including the Petit Chateau in New York, the Marble mm. House in Newport, Rhode Island, the Belmont House in New York, Brook Holt on Long Island, and Beacon Towers in Sands Point, New York. She, the, A lot of these buildings... Are still around. I looked up the Vanderbilt family. Like, yeah, you know, they're still around. Mm. Anderson Cooper is one of them. A lot of their buildings that they built, their architecture, has been destroyed. Oh, was destroyed. True. It's really, mm. really awful. And what has not been destroyed has been turned into museums. That's how you get introduced to that family in the Gilded Age because she is building the house across the road, the and it's That's all covered right. in scaffolding. And then they take it's that down. It's been like that for a really long time. And yeah. yeah, and then it's this. It's an extremely and- gaudy. Yes. Um, it's it's more European than English, you know, and yeah. the English, the Van Rynes across the street were like mm, gross, mm, yeah, really ugly. Like too it, much. Yeah, it yeah. looks baroque. You know, that wasn't a look. Um, but other people look at it and just go, oh, my God, this is fantastic, which yeah. is, you know, the whole reason they, they did that. So, that yeah, that kind of a building is was destroyed and mm. there is um, a Vanderbilt house. I can't remember what it was called, but it's still around and it's in Central Park and it's a museum now and it is a 70-room house. Oh, shit. Which is now a 70-room museum. But, I mean, who the fuck needs a 70-room house? What are you going to do with 70 rooms? Yeah. God. I mean, really? The wealth. And that's the Gilded Age, Mm. as I've said in past episodes, the Gilded Age comes from Mark Twain who wrote a book called The Gilded Age and it was an ironic uh, satire about these people who had this immense wealth and just like the ridiculous things that they would build and spend their money on while simultaneously living next to the poorest tenements and people who were shitting on the streets, Mm. you know, in New York and just how you you really couldn't find anywhere in the world that people with that much wealth, like even in Europe where the wealthy were wealthy, they did not carry on. Yeah, right. Like, you know, because they were just used to being rich. It's like it's the same as people who, you know, nowadays like white trash getting rich mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like cashed they just up bogans. Go, yeah cashed up bogans they just they don't know what to spend their money on so they spend it on absolutely everything and wear it all at once <laughs> so anyway she had a daughter consuelo consuelo can we just go on that like how did that name happen well consuelo. that name happened because she had a really good friend who really helped her um, get into society and introduced her to the Vanderbilt guy. 
So when she had a child, a daughter, she named her after her. Oh. And she is her godmother as well. So oh. that was a really interesting tidbit right. yeah, about okay. um, Consuelo and Consuelo and Alva. And um, Consuelo was her only daughter mm-hmm. and she wanted Consuelo to really seal the deal with this family, the mm-hmm. Vanderbilts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get the Vanderbilts in with royalty yeah. if you could if she could. Yep. So she set her eyes on um a, a duke. And I don't even know his name because it okay. doesn't matter. Who cares? Um the Duke, she was like, Where you're you gotta marry him and Quincilla was like, I don't wanna marry him. I don't even know him. I don't even like him. And she goes, yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The Get Duke, in there. The Duke is it. Didn't matter. The Duke was already engaged <laughs> to another woman Shit. called Winthrop Rutherford. Now Rutherford's another Rutherford's really big another name. name. It's very um Bridgerton as well, this story, isn't yep. it? Yeah. It's all yep. that, isn't it? Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. But so um, Consuelo was like, get fucked, fought about it, nah. <laughs> and Alva was like, no, you must. She was, she bunged it on. Like she really bunged it on for her daughter to marry this guy. She pretended she was sick. She pretended she was dying. And her last oh, night oh. wish would be that she, Consuelo would marry the Duke. Oh. And Consuelo finally went, oh, all right, Jesus Christ. Even though he was already engaged? Even though he was already engaged, that all, yeah, it, it stopped the engagement. Right. Okay. Um, I'll just read the bit that it says about that. When Consuelo, a docile teenager, whose only notable characteristic at the time was abject obedience to her fearsome mother, <laughs> made quality. <laughs> she made plans to elope. She was locked in her room as Alva, Alva threatened to murder Rutherford, the, the engaged woman oh. with the Duke. Um, still she refused, Consuelo. So it was only when Alva claimed that her health was being seriously and irretrievably undermined by Consuelo's stubbornness and appeared to be at death's door that the malleable girl acquiesced. Oh. Alva made an astonishing recovery after that from her phantom illness. And when the wedding and when the wedding took place, Consuelo stood at the altar reportedly weeping behind her veil. Oh no. Like, no, isn't no, that no, no, awful? no. So That's terrible. The good, I'll tell you the good thing about that, that she had children with the Duke Consuelo, and then it was such an awful, loveless abusive marriage Mm. that you never got divorced but she really needed to she just went I'm getting divorced and it was her mother who came to her rescue then and said I forced her right um to the state church and state please allow this to happen Mm -hmm. I forced Mm -hmm. her to do it it was all against her wishes yeah she's not Um, in love and she wasn't in love and she remarried someone that she was in love with so she she kind of came good (laughs) But, you know, she's just very good at getting what she wants. Yeah, she sounds like a bit of a biatch. She's, Alva is just, the word for her is determined. She okay. was determined yep. to bring the Vanderbilt family the social status that she felt that they deserved. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt christened the Fifth Avenue Chateau, placed between Fifth Avenue and 52nd Street, occupying a city block. 
Oh, shit. In March 1883, with a masquerade ball for 1,000 guests, costing a reported $3 million. <gasps> shit. Back then, $3 back million, then. or now, mm. $3 million? Mm, Back then. That's a lot of Well, maybe. I don't know. Let's, let's say it back then. Okay. That's a lot. An oft-repeated story tells that Vanderbilt felt she had been snubbed by Caroline Asta, who is in the Gilded Age, Asta. Right. She is of the Queen of the 400. Now, the 400 were the elite of New York society. Wow. Okay, so this is what's really interesting about um, the Gilded Age that you're seeing it play out in the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she purposely neglected to send an invitation to her housewarming ball, a dress ball of about 750 guests to Asta's popular daughter, Carrie. Supposedly, this forced Asta to come calling in order to secure an invitation to the ball for her daughter. Mm. Asta did, in fact, pay a social call on Vanderbilt and she and her daughter were guests at the ball, effectively giving the Vanderbilt family society's official acceptance. Vanderbilt and Asta were observed at the ball in animated conversation. We have no right to exclude those from this great country who has from whom this great country has brought forward, Asta conceded, the time has come for the Vanderbilts. And they were presented. And they were in. That's and it. Live. And she suffered a stroke in the spring of 1932 that left her partially paralysed and she died in Paris of a bronchial and heart ailment um, in 33. Her funeral was back in New York. Um, and you'll be proud to know it was featured in all female pallbearers. Oh. Yeah, so the end. That's cool. Yeah. Yes, well, it was just interesting. What she, she finally got what she wanted. That's all she yeah, wanted she was did. to be accepted. And that family, because of her, is still yeah. to this day yes. the socialites of New York. So just an interesting backstory of how the real person did that and how we're seeing it play out now in yep. the um, Morrises in – or is it the Russells? I've really got to – anyway <laughs> – Russell Morris, let's say that. Russell um, Morris, In yeah. The Gilded Age in the TV mm-hmm. show. Like, mm. So if you're anything like me, you watch a TV show and you're really interested. And you want to find out the backstory. Backstories, backstories. Um, that's just one of them. So Yeah, that's cool. That's going to be good now when I finish watching that, when I keep watching it because um, – yeah. And it was so – I mean, yeah, like back in the day when you just have to – just by the mere fact that two people from different families were talking in animated conversation, well, that must mean that they've been accepted. Like, and we are just all animals at the end of the day, aren't we? Like, it's just gestures mm. and will you accept my me into your pack? And yeah. it's fascinating. I keep mm. thinking Vanderbilt, and then I think of Vanderpump. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No relation. Think so, but she probably thinks there is. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? Oh, bless, bless. You know, the countess in the in that in the other in the New York housewives. She thinks she's royal because no. she married a count who's probably a count by buying his own deed. Like, how did he become a count? I don't know. Like, the royalty line is ridiculous and mm. it's ridiculous. <laughs> hey Siri, how do you become a count? Here's what I found. Oh. 
how to become an account manager. <laughs> Qualifications and skills. Great. Okay. Anyone can become account. Any, all you got to do is you got to go and get your cert four in countesses. Remember there was um, the Real Housewives of Melbourne and one of them, she's not, they're not on it anymore. I think um, Petty Fleur or one of the other ridiculous named ones had kept saying she was she was from royalty and so Gamble bought her a title that you can buy online and presented it to her oh, and gosh. thought it was hilarious and she was so offended by it. I was like, you're such wankers. Like you're just such a bunch of wankers. I know because at the end of the day. It's great entertainment. We, we all – we all end up the same, don't we? Yeah, well, we all shit and we all bleed. Exactly. And we all turn to dust. And we all, exactly. And we all die. Well, <laughs> that do. happens after you die. Yeah. The dust. The dust. Well, <laughs> if you get cremated, if you get buried, you turn to worm food. Yeah, but that's dust too, isn't it? No, that's dirt. Dirt and dust are two different things. Hey. <laughs> But I say when you die, you go ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Dust to dust. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right, dust. Dry dirt, dust. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Uh, Ashes is the cremated, the dust is the burial. Okay, we've got it. Good. On that note, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Regular programming. Uh, And thanks for letting us be in your ears. Yeah, all of that. Ciao, 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 ciao. Bye, 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 bye.